Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who in being very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father that was our And I'm sorry. I, I, I was I was catching people and I you know it, it is I don't ever want it to be an embarrassing thing. That's that's not what we're trying to do. But it's it is it is a unity thing. And it's also a humility thing. That's the that's the hard part is it says that Jesus being in the very nature God humbled himself. That to me is absolutely amazing because as human beings, if we have any kind of position, immediately we have we're tempted to use it for our own advantage. And as we move into 2017 and move through 2017, you're going to be amazed at what God does. Absolutely amazed. Because this week, as we sought Him, as we we prayed and worshipped and met together in His presence, the things that He led us to pray out are staggering, are amazing. But we can't do it without unity. Without a unified walk, without a unified vision, without a unified heart. It's just impossible. We can't do it. And so there are natural things. I, I, so I said to somebody, you know, there's there, the people that are always used to sitting here and here, you're going, ah, it's not a big deal. Wait till next week. Because we're going to move over to this side next week. And you are all going to get messed up. Just the ones that are, you guys are, you're, you're moved. Yeah, you're moved. Yeah, it's not a big deal. But it's good to mix it up. But it's also good, the biggest thing is to be closer to each other. We're going to spend eternity with each other. And we should get used to it now. And I know the ones who sat up front early thought, wait a second, how come the people in the back don't have to move forward? 
Well, I'm not going to mess with you. That see, it's not about messing with people. It's just it's about moving together. It's about being together. And and I'm I was so proud. Most everybody sat on this side. You're, you're just used to it. Going whatever. Fine, we'll follow. Fine. But God is God. God gets to be God. And this year, when we walk with Him, when we humble ourselves and walk with Him, move with Him, we are going to be absolutely amazed at what happens. I'm already amazed. I am already amazed at what's, what's already happening, already, already beginning to happen. It's exciting. Let's stand. And we'll worship Him. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've been doing already this year. It's already been a full year. But Lord, we we have a whole year ahead of us to further your kingdom according to your will. Father, we have a whole year, days, weeks, months, but even also hours and minutes to hear your voice and to follow and to to fulfill your word in our lives and on this earth. Lord, you've sent us here. You've placed us here as ambassadors. Ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And as we walk in that role, humbly, faithfully, We pray, Father, that the name of Jesus be lifted higher and higher and higher. Glorify your name this year, Lord God. Glorify the name of Jesus. Glorify your presence in the earth everywhere that we go this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Through the storm, he's Lord of all. Think about that verse, that that phrase for a moment. Through the storm, he is Lord of all. In the worst possible time, in the storm, that's when you have to know that he is Lord. It's not something you can be grasping for at the moment. It's too late. In the storm, he, you have to know, we have to know that He is Lord. That's why you prepare ahead of time. That's why you, you get ready ahead of time. And He's giving us opportunity to get ready ahead of time. I started last week, I started 2017 out with this verse, To him who has ears to hear, let them hear. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. We need to do what he's, what he's saying when he says to do it. And he's saying, now's the time to know. Now's the time to make sure that he's the Lord of your life. In every area. <laughs> the ones that are really fun to let him Lord be Lord of, uh, in our life, like our finances. Oh, Lord. Yep. In provision. In provision, Lord, you're the Lord of my life. But what about the things that prepare for provision what about 
giving and receiving? What about tithing? What about all those things? Well, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What in the world? In in being salt and light. Yes, Lord, we want to see the world evangelized. Good, then you be the one to go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second here, folks. Now you're messing with me. I have my comfort zone. In the area of of growing. Oh, Lord, I want to grow closer to you. Good. Be a part of Wednesday night Bible school. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know there's some really good shows on Wednesday nights. Lord of all. Whatever that means. And you know, you know in your heart what that means. But it's in the storm you're going to wish you had. <laughs> it's too late then. Unless you've done it before. And then, then you can just, then you can say, so, hey, Lord, can I walk on the water with you? How could Peter ask to walk? Because he had a relationship with Jesus already. He said, if, if, if you call me, Lord, I know I can walk with you. We want to know him that well. Amen? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to greet as many people as you can. Talk about this until later, but the, the Bruins have special dispensation, just so everybody knows. Only because there's, no, there's not four seats put together that are next to each other. So if we could figure out where we could get four seats, you know, so if everybody could... There, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and really, 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 I mean, this is not my heart, is that it becomes, but it, it, it is, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Bob, 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 Bob. <laughs> Can I get you to move the front? Awesome, thank you so much. But yeah, everybody give Bob a big round of applause. You can take my chair. He's getting my chair. That's right. Absolutely. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, and, and like I say, I, I, this isn't something to embarrass people or to, but it's it is preparing for where God's taking us. Is preparing why? Because it's it's not comfortable where He takes us all the time. Now, yesterday morning, you guys, if whoever wasn't here, you missed it, you missed it, you missed it. There's going to be, we'll put it online, we'll put it on the, the line, we'll tell, I'll have Ethan make a copy of it. Um, we had a special guest speaker who wasn't scheduled to speak, um, but I was so blessed because it's, it was the beginning of something even bigger than I believe we've ever, we've, we know, I, that he, I mean, I, there's some things that are in my heart. But my brother Vernon, uh, those of you who have ever met my brother Vernon, came here and spoke. Uh, he was here for the whole conference, so well, from Wednesday night on. And I had it in my heart for him to speak, and he had at first told me, <laughs> yeah, no. And uh, as only brothers could, actually he said, uh, no. Uh, but the Lord dealt with him, praise God. And he spoke yesterday morning, and he, he spoke some things that will shake you to your core. It was powerful. And one of the things he said is, because uh, on the night before, on Friday night, the Holy Spirit uh, through me said, it's time to get on the bus. It's time to get on the bus. You will, that, all these messages will be online. You, you need to listen to them. Because, and then get on the bus and get on the seat. Get in a seat. Get in the right seat. And the next, he, he spoke to me, that, or Vern then came to me after the service. He says, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll preach tomorrow. He says, what you preached is leads right into what, I, what God's put on my heart. 
And he said, he talked about it, and he talked about it from experience. And whew, someday, uh, I pray that he shares, you know, he shared some stuff that will shake you to your core, but there's stuff that I know about him that, that God has been dealing with him for 40 years. 40 years he's had to walk this stuff out. And he says, he says you know where the first bus stop is after you get on the bus? The wilderness. The bus, the bus driver, God, takes you, takes you for a drive, takes you out into the wilderness, opens the door and says, get out. That's uncomfortable. We don't, we don't like that. We, most of us are trying most of our life to, to avoid the wilderness. But you shouldn't because that's where God is. Great men and women of God have spent years in the wilderness, dry, arid, nothing else but God. That's where you find God. That's where you really experience God is in the wilderness. So if you find yourself in a wilderness area. So I wasn't going to talk about all this until much later, but it's the right time. This is preparing us. Why? Because I know what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. He's saying there are great things happening in 2017, but we have to be moving with him. And if that means we have to do something different than what we've ever done before, to get the result of something different that we've never had before, then we need to do it. And if that means, I mean, this is, this is actually more uncomfortable. I know it's probably not, you're thinking, no way it could be more uncomfortable for me. But it is, because I'm the one up here having to say, come on, folks, move over here, slide over here. Bob, sit in the front row. But it's preparing us. It's getting us outside of our comfort zone. It's, it's causing us to have to make a choice. And I, one of the thoughts I had last week, and, and somebody goes, you know, this, they were talking about everybody moving to these two sections. And next week, just so you know, and the, and the, and the, and the ushers are, are, are at the, uh, the point of this. It's not their idea. It's not their fault. And they're going, please make an announcement. Make a public announcement that uh, it is not our fault. I said, no, that's, that's fine. But next week, just give everybody a heads up, we're going to be sitting in these two sections, okay? So just so you know, because that way we're making those people as uncomfortable as possible. The ones that are always sitting over there, they're going to sit over here this time. And all of you who are, you're just, you're going, I'm missing my spot. You can be here. You can get your spot. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. And and I want to share you share a quick story with you. And, and I and like I say, this was going to be much later, and maybe we'll, we'll we'll just mix it up a little bit. But the Lord told me to do this last week. And actually, if you've been coming to the the healing school, and healing school is going to be on Wednesday, Wednesday nights through January, we've been doing this. I've been I've, the Lord told me to have everybody sit in the first three rows, these two sections, and then you know we're, we've expanded as more people have come. And I've been just struggling with it because, you know, I just, I don't like messing with people. I don't like people messing with me, and I don't like to mess with people. But when it's led by the Holy Spirit, you're not messing, you're being obedient. And so, I've been doing this, and I've been, you know, just struggling with it. I have all the doubts and fears that everybody would have. This last week, uh, many of you know, Debbie's been taking care of her mom, and actually, did she leave? Her, she might have to go, you know, at different times because her mom's been staying with us. Uh, she had a hip surgery, and Debbie's been helping her and taking care of her. And her dad's at home; he came home sick, and so you know she's been helping. She's been taking care of two parents, and so all of this. But in and out, um, her sister came down from uh, from a, a town I won't name the town and where they live, and she was talking about the church they used to go to. 
The church they used to go to 20 years ago was 350 people in this little podunk town, little nothing town, little tiny little town in northern Minnesota. The church was 350 people. People were getting saved. People were getting uh, filled, or not, no, they weren't getting filled. They were Baptist, okay? So they weren't getting filled, but they were getting saved. They were getting baptized, and amazing things were happening. Wonderful things were happening, and over the last 20 years, they got set in their ways, they wouldn't change, they wouldn't grow, they wouldn't do anything different, and they got down to where there was hardly anybody left in the church. Most people left. And the, they, they thought about doing different things, just even closing the door, just doing whatever, but they, 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 what they decided is they called a bigger church in the area, in a, you know, a little bit ways from their house, said, will you please help us? And that church came in and says, here's what we're going to do. We will help you, but you have to do it our way. You have to do what we tell you to do. And they said, absolutely, it's either that or close the doors. We're done. So they came in, this other church, and they said, here's the way it's going to work. They sent 40 families from their church to this church. And they said, here's what's going to happen. And that church was down to about 50 to 60 people at the time. So 40 families is, is about, what, 150, 200, maybe. They had, the first Sunday, they had usher, or they had uh, car parkers out in the parking lot. And they had ushers at the door, or greeters at the door, and then they had ushers inside the church. And the first Sunday, they, they brought people in. They said, here's where you're going to park. Park right here. Open the doors for them. Welcome. Glad you're here. This is so awesome. They... Usher to the, the greeters met them. They walked him into the church, explaining what the church was, the new people. They handed them off to the ushers. The ushers brought them in and said, this is your seat. And the people said, well, I don't want to sit this close. And they said, man, this is, this is your seat. She goes, well, I don't want to sit here. And they said, they turned to him and said, then this may not be the church for you. And, and, the, and some of the old people who had been in that church were like, what are they? They're controlling people. They're manipulating people. They're, they've grown to over 300 people in six months. People are getting saved weekly. I know, it, it just it sounds like so un-American. What about freedom in the spirit? It's not to mess with people. The body of Christ, why haven't we seen America? Why have we seen a degrading of America? The fiber of America is because people want to do it their way. Believe me, I don't, I, I, this, is, this is more hard for me. But I'm telling you, 2017, we are going to see amazing, amazing things. And to do it, we have to do something different. And it's not just this. It's not tweaking this. It's about each one of us checking our hearts, saying, Lord, where, where am I not allowing you to be the Lord of my life? And if I'm not allowing you to be the Lord of my life in this area, that year, well, how come, how come, you know, that person doesn't have to do what you're expecting me to do, Lord? And he says, I don't care. You do what I told you to do. He's told all kinds of people that. He's told me that more times than one. Years ago, years ago when Deb and I were at Abundant Life in, in River Falls, there was a, 
uh, uh, um, an accident, uh, accident, an exodus. Number of people were leaving the church. And they came to us and they spoke to us and they said, yeah, we just don't feel like we, we want to be here anymore. We, so, you know, we just, we're going to go look for somewhere else. We, don't, we just don't, don't want to be here anymore. And I still remember driving home after one of those discussions with Debbie. And she turned to me and she goes, when do we get to do what we want to do? Well, it's been 30 years, and I still don't get to do what I want. If I, wanted, if I could do what I wanted to do, see, folks, later, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm out of here. It's warm in Florida. <laughs> God bless you guys. Ray and Terry are back. Well, where you are, where I'm going next week, glory to God. Not next week, two, two weeks. Never mind. We digress. And Dan and Marta. Every day this week, Dan and Marta have walked in in this freezing cold. You know, talk about doing something you don't necessarily want to do, <laughs> but you feel led. Actually, they, they, were, they had already said, no, we're probably not going to come. We have some things that are conflicting. And called up the week before, and they said, uh, yeah, we'll be there. What, what are, what, what's, this, what's the plan? Every day they walked in and went, oh, do you know how much we love you? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. All right. There, ushers, I've made the announcement. And so they'll, they'll, they'll lead you. They'll, and, you know, we're, we're not gonna, they're, never, they're, they're not authorized to tell you, then maybe this isn't the church for you. But that we're not, that all we're doing is we're leading. We're just moving. We're moving the body. We're, we're causing the body to have to understand that Jesus gets to be Lord. I'm following him by, by making this expectation. They're following me. We need to follow. Amen? Um, I want to thank you. I want to announce again that uh, uh, in 2016, we raised over $53,000 for the building fund. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for that. We're building three classrooms on the west side of the building. Those classrooms are for the education. And the, the, the reason is not just because we want more rooms. We need more rooms. I was mentioning to Pastor Karen this last week that uh, we were, you know, we were talking about the vision of the, of the classrooms and we we're talking about the need for more room. And, and Pastor Karen just said, you know, if anybody doesn't like the idea of the classrooms, please send them back to the middle, to the kids' classrooms on Wednesday night and you'll get a feel real quick of uh, how little room we actually do have. And so um, we're building these classrooms not just because we want to build. I even said that this week. Jesus' last words weren't go forth into all the world and build classrooms or build buildings. It wasn't what he said. He said make disciples. The thing about where we live is, is to make disciples, we need a place to make disciples. We need, we need a place for people to meet. These classrooms are to train people. What we're doing from this day forward is amazing. This last week, the, the week devoted to God, did, it, was, it, was it was more powerful than you can imagine because things were, were spoken, things were, were, were uh, prayed out, things God revealed, uh, a number of things to me and to others, and, and it was prayed through uh, powerfully. The vision that God is setting forth for the valley is to reach city after city after city after city up and down the St. Croix River Valley. And to do that, we need people who know how to, to be the body of Christ. As much as we would love to say that we walk by faith, 
as a whole, as an as a aggregate whole, as a, as, a, as a total, I don't know, I, I, wouldn't, I don't want to venture to guess where that, you know, on a scale of 1 to 100, where we're actually walking by faith, but it's lower than we think. We could all grow. We all need to grow. I need to grow. I realize, I, I realize very vividly that I need to continue to grow in faith because I see where I'm at. After studying and, and preparing for the last year to do the healing schools and to continue to teach on healing on Sunday mornings, I'm realizing I was so short, so far short. And even talking to my brother over the, this last weekend, it was wonderful to have him here to, you know, to where we had lunch together a couple times, we spent time together, and he was just saying, I mean, this guy's been walking with God since the early 70s in the Spirit, in faith, walking in faith, living by faith. He raised 12 children by faith. He, was, he said, he shared yesterday morning, I encourage you to get the, get the recording. He, he said their, their monthly budget for their family, was $10,000 a month. And he was a contractor. And winter months are, are, are lean. He says we had to live by faith. And he said, he said even after all of that, he, he realizes there's so much more. We must grow. And to accomplish the amazing things God has for us, we will see, we will see, revival in this valley i know that now I'm, I'm i'm convinced more convinced today than i've ever been convinced before it's happening it's starting to happen daily there, the, i'm hearing testimonies of people's lives where where there's things that are happening that never happened before but it's because they're getting serious with god we need to be trained we need to we need to raise that bar and one of the ways to do that is, is, is education, teaching, uh, hearing the word. We can get a little bit, you know, if you can get a little bit from, from uh, uh, tapes and video and stuff online. But the reality is there are some things that are caught, not taught. It's by being there, in the midst of it. That, that, that you experience, there, there was things that happened this week that you can only know by, by, by have been, have, having been there. And the same thing, we must train the body of Christ. And it won't be just us. There will be people coming in who will come in at, at, at zero level, and they need to be trained. They need to hear the word of God. They need to be discipled. And the way to do that is through the teaching of the word, through the preaching of the word. It's through them hearing the word over and over and over. And many of you will be the teachers. It's God. It's, it's God's will. Many of you will be the teachers. I would even say most of you will be the teachers. But you need to grow even more. There's a higher expectation for a teacher than somebody who just enters, you know, who just does, is, is a newbie. So, we need those classrooms. Yes, Debbie? It's only 43,000 in the bulletin because that's the actual, uh, what came in for the building fund to build the buildings. 10,000 came in before that to, for, to go to the architect. And, uh, so that's why I say there's 50, 53,000 has come in because I count that too. That's, that is part of the miracle. So, praise the Lord. Okay. I'm just going to read these verses very quickly. I'm not going to expound on them, I think. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Only because it needs to be, it needs to be the word. 
Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Acacia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not be proved empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of how you for your for your for uh, nothing of you for being so confident so i thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you promised so that it may be ready as a willing offering not as an exaction the point is this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully so father we thank you for this morning for the opportunity to give we thank you lord that this year 2017 is going to be an amazing year thank you lord for every every need every bill being paid but also lord we thank you for overflow overflow to be able to cover everything that you're calling us to do I'm not even going to put a number on it yet, but Lord, I thank you that that overflow covers the building, it covers the, the, the vision and the mission to the St. Croix River Valley and beyond. We thank you, Lord, that that is, that more than enough overflow, even some to give away, is ours because of your promises and because of your glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right. As you can see, I'm, I'm, I'm holding the handheld mic this morning because somebody else is actually going to preach. Um, but they told me they don't, it isn't as long as, uh, it wasn't going to be 45 minutes. So, But I had something that I wanted to share real quick. And, and some of it I just did, and so I'm not going to re, re-go through that. Specifically on Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning when we were in prayer in the, the 10 a.m. service, or the 10 a.m. prayer time. That morning as I woke up um, and was getting ready I heard the word in the spirit, I heard the word shifting and shifted, that something had shifted. Something was different Wednesday morning. Something had shifted. I could just tell there had been a shifting in the spirit. Now, shifting can mean a whole bunch of things to a whole bunch of people. That's why you don't take any chances. You know, you don't just start ascribing meaning to something that God says, because unless it's based in the word, unless it's based uh, in, in two or three witnesses, you know, you could just say, you could say everything that shifting, okay, we're all shifting to Iowa, you know, we're all moving from here to, no, that's, that, it, it, shifting it could mean that it's, you know, it used to be this and now we're going to be do, doing this, no, the shifting, as we prayed it out that morning, as, the, as we prayed and as we, we read in the scripture, we had scripture uh, that the Holy Spirit enlightened to us. As we, as we meditated on it and we prayed about it and we talked about it, what was happening was God said this. He said, we've shifted. We, this body here, but I believe the, the body in the St. Croix River Valley and even around the world, that we've shifted. Shifting this way, it's like a tractor. If you if you grew up in the country at all, uh, that when when uh, when a tractor is running down the road, they can actually go pretty fast down the road. If you've ever followed one in the country, one of these big plow, you know, uh, multi bottom they call them bottom plows, multi uh, uh, whatever the other word is, but it's bottom bottoms, huh? 
moldboards and and but the bottoms they we always call them bottoms um but they're huge machines, huge machines. But they can fly down the road in a, at a high gear. But when they get in the field and they drop the plows, they shift down. They shift down for power. And the Holy Spirit, through that day, spoke to us in many ways that, it, that, that we are shifting down. And that shifting down for power, to drop those plows in, it's for work. That we've, we've entered a time of work. Now you might have think, well, I've already worked. But it's a, it's a good kind of work. Turn with me real quick. Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9. Verse 11. It's Amos chapter 9, verse 11 through 15. Five verses. It says, In that day I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord. Who will do these things? The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. And I will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will replant or they will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord our God. Now, Amos' prophecy was speaking of a specific time in Israel's history, but it's also a spiritual principle that by the Spirit we can apply to our lives. We have entered a time, I believe, in the Spirit, in the things of God, where the plowman will be overtaken by the reaper. The one who plants, the one who reaps will be overtaken by he who plants. And as we prayed that through this week, what, we are, what, what the Holy Spirit was saying to us is, it's going to be double work. The, the fields are ripe with harvest. It's ripe. It's ready. The, the, we don't have to wait. Jesus said, you don't have to wait for six months. The, the, the harvest is ripe right now. Start to reap. But at the same time, we'll be planting. We'll be reaping and planting. Planting and reaping. We're going to be planting the word in some people's lives and reaping a harvest on, in others. And sometimes we'll be planting in one morning and reaping from that same life the same day. Growth. Quick growth. Somebody else spoke to me this last week. I just, somebody, I just all of a sudden I remembered it. Somebody said uh, that somebody had just in, in their church had just uh, been born again, but they were growing at an exponential rate. Things have, spe- have sped up, and we need to be ready for it. We can't be caught flat-footed. The things of God are moving at an exponential rate. The things in the world are definitely rowing, flowing at an exponential rate. The kingdom of God is the same, and you cannot be caught flat-footed. That's why we have to be alert. That's why we have to have ears to hear. And so it's all about putting that plow deeper and turning over that soil. It's work. It's a lot of work. But he's given us the gears to do it. It's not, it, it, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. But we have to be a part of it. We have to be in the field. We have to be ready to be used. And we have to go deeper. So on Monday, 
when we were praying, a uh, number of things were spoken, and uh, uh, Buddy Shackley had something from the Lord that he shared with the group. And I had said on Monday, I said, You're, you know, I want you to preach that tonight, and that was on Monday night. And uh, if you were here Monday night, you know that we, we got into worship and never left. We never, never, never got out of, out of uh, well, it was just awesome. I mean, people didn't want to leave at all, and so, but we kicked them out anyway. Um, so he didn't preach that on Monday night. So I've asked him to share that this morning, what God put on his heart. Let's welcome Buddy Shackley. Good morning. Wow. Okay, so there's the, 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 the long version and the short version. I said I didn't need 45 minutes, but I didn't say I needed 13. So... <laughs> uh, I'm going to just kind of wing it. I got notes, but I'm going to kind of just go with it. A couple of thoughts I wanted to share. Um, there's a. Th- can you go ahead and put that image up there? Some of you guys know I'm a rock collector, right? I collect minerals. I, I advertise. And, and the net result is that people actually bring me stuff now. And they send me pictures. So I was on a business trip to Asia. My plane lands in Tokyo, and my cell phone starts vibrating like crazy with like all these tech messages from the Justins, who were on vacation in Colorado. And one of the pictures was a beautiful crystal like the one behind me, rhodochrosite. Uh, it's from Colorado. That deep red color, wow. I thought, I thought it was worth probably $5,000. I looked it up. We're talking... 50 to 100 grand for something like that. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful crystal. For those of you who missed last week, you missed the opportunity to be sharpened by people that are, that are top shelf kinds of Christians. Crystals like that, you put it on the top shelf because you want all the light to hit it. You want all of the glory that God's put into that crystal to come out. All of the beauty. And this, you, if you missed last week, you missed the opportunity. For me, I knew the Eilers and the Lewises were top shelf. I knew that. The one I learned this week was, Vern, oh my goodness, what a pleasure to have met you and to have got to be around you for a week. I encourage all of you next year to make a commitment to be there for a week devoted to God because there are people that will change your life. Um, my style is very black and white, okay? There's a little of intensity inside of me. And sometimes people misinterpret that as anger. It's not... <laughs> that's not the case. Uh, it's passion. And I want to encourage you to look past my style this morning. I want you to hear what the Spirit of the Lord's saying to us. Uh, he wants to move us from good to great. There's actually a book called Good to Great. Some of you may have read it. Getting on the bus is one of the principles of good, be, changing from good to great. The other one is facing the brutal facts. You can't get better if you keep telling yourself you live in Lake Wobegon and you're all above average. right? You have to look at the truth. Where are we actually compared to a standard of truth Now, some of the things that God put on my heart was what that standard is. The direction of the Lord is yes and amen. The yes is an acknowledgement that what he's saying is true. The yes comes from him. 
okay? The amen comes from us. We have to agree to it. We have to say yes to him. So the last time I was up here, I spoke about how God was reforming his church from Luther on. He did the first great awakening, the second great awakening, and then the Azusa Street Revival, and then the charismatic movement, and these things were all happening. He is reforming his church. And I talked about how maybe I was coming to understand that I didn't understand the plot. Much like the apostles in talking to Jesus never understood the plot. Their responses didn't follow what he was saying. So I spent quite a bit of time praying about that. God, help me understand that. I understand that I don't get it. What am I supposed to get? And as I was traveling Thanksgiving weekend on in, 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 in China and Taiwan and Hong Kong, I was just praying a lot about God. What, who are we and what are we supposed to become? What are we, God, how do we go from good to great? What, what is it that you would have us do different? And by the end of the trip, for those of you who have traveled overseas, you know how lonely it can be. and You know what it's like to be upside down from a sleep deprivation or jet lag standpoint. And there's no awakening at 2 a.m. like a jet lag awakening at 2 a.m., okay? And the last morning I woke up about 2 o'clock and I said, God, I quit. I quit. Even <laughs> you're, you're just wasting your, try, your time trying to get me from here to there. And then I came home and I repented and God showed me three things. And that's what I shared this week with the three things that God showed me. I just want to be real. He's asking us to do hard things and hard things are hard to do. There's moments when we say, I quit. I don't want to do that. Um, so three pictures and a frame. Okay? Framing was a word that Vern used. Three pictures and a frame. So the frame. We, for Christmas, we went back to uh, Pennsylvania to see Susanna's family. Uh, blah, blah, blah. There's lots of notes. And then we went to Valley Forge. <laughs> and we went to Valley Forge uh, because my first relative, Shackley relative, that immigrated to the U.S., immigrated in the 1760s to Philadelphia. And shortly after that, American Revolution started, and he ended up in the Pennsylvania Regiment of the Continental Army and actually spent the winter in Valley Forge with George Washington. And so we learned all sorts of cool things about Valley Forge on our tour. Uh, one is that it is a high land, triangular-shaped high land. They put their guys, the, the little huts, all the way around this triangle, 18 miles from Philadelphia, which was basically a day's march. They could not be surprised because they were 18 miles out, but it also defended the interior of the state from the, against the Brits who were in Philadelphia. Okay, And then Jessica asked the question, why is it called Valley Forge if it's on a hilltop? That's because the backside of it is on a river, and the King of England had given a huge land grant to William Penn. And William Penn had sold a piece of that land on the, on the sh- 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 Schuylkill. It's a Dutch word, the Schuylkill River. And the stream that fed into this river, he, Penn had sold that land to a guy named Potts, and Potts had built a forge. And it was that forge in that valley was the backside of this defensive position, this encampment. No battles occurred there. It was just a winter camp. 
But Pennsylvania was a colony of England. That meant that it was under the control of a king in England. And that king, in order to have control over his colony, appoints a governor. And the governor, his job is to bring the culture and the rule, the law of the king to that colony. Now, we speak English because those governors did a good job over our 13 colonies. Uh, I've been to India. Their current, they have 32 plus languages. If you look at a piece of currency from India, there are 16 scripts. So if it says in God we trust, it says it 16 times on their currency in different languages. Most people speak two or three languages. The language of their state, the languages maybe of some of the adjacent states, and then English. Everyone in India speaks English because the governor did his job when he was in India. This last business trip, I went to Hong Kong. We drove on the wrong side of the road. People speak English with a British accent because the governor did his job. So I wanted to talk about the frame. The frame is this. Jesus is king. Jesus sits over the kingdom of heaven. That's his rule and dominion. He sits at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. In their wisdom, they they decided to establish a colony on earth. And they put Adam and Eve on earth. And Adam and Eve very quickly gave up their authority. And Satan took dominion over the earth. And there was no colony on earth. And Jesus came to earth to reestablish that colony. And he gave his life so that that colony could exist. And then as he ascended, or just before he ascended, he said to his disciples, go and tarry, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to be governor of the colony. His job is to bring the culture the rule, the law, the way of being of heaven and reveal it to us. Didn't Jesus say, go and tarry, I'll send the Holy Spirit and he will reveal all truth to you. Well, where's that truth coming from? The king, sitting in his kingdom of heaven. The disciples of Jesus, and we're the disciples of Jesus today, Our job, their job, was to be ambassadors of the king. We're in this colony. We're supposed to be carrying what the Holy Spirit shows us of the culture of the king into the kingdom of darkness that's around us. So that's the frame. That's the frame. He's king. We're the ambassadors. And the Holy Spirit's teaching us what to do. So the first picture. He showed me a picture of Jesus teaching from a boat. You know the story. Jesus was teaching from a boat, and when he was done, he turned to the disciples, and he said, head out to deep water, and I want you to let down your nets. Okay. So imagine with me Jesus sitting in that boat, and you have all these people standing on the shore, and I'm going to change the story just a little bit for the picture. The people are standing on the soil. They're standing on soil that is under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. And he's saying, come into the water. 
And what do we do? I'll tell you how I respond. I pull on chest waders. Right? I put on a flotation vest. Right? I might even put on a... Step into a float tube. I don't know. For those of you fly fishermen, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I slowly, carefully go into the water. All of us have said yes. We're all standing in the water. That's why we're here this morning. We said yes, Lord. We're all saved. But we're walking around too much in our waders. See, we're still walking on land it's just an extension of the land that's under the kingdom, of, under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness, right? But that feels good because we're in control still. My feet can still touch old terra firma, right? I have security. I'm doing it my way. Then some of us are introduced to the word of faith, the full gospel message. Oh, that's even better. And more than that, you know, it's like a late-night television commercial. You don't go to hell, and God will provide for you, and he'll heal you. He'll deliver you. But then Jesus says, I want you to come out into the deep. I'll tell you what my immediate answer is, No. I used to live in Southern California on a beach when I was a young man, and I spent a lot of time in the water body surfing. Every once in a while, I'd come into my head, I'm going to swim out there past all the other body surfers, and I'm just going to swim. And I'd get out there, and I'd start hearing the theme of Jaws, okay? (laughs) Deep water is scary water. We sing that song, Oceans. I was was wondering if it was going to be sung today. Lead me into deep waters where I learn to trust. For years, I wouldn't sing that song. No way. I've got too much stuff on my plate already. I don't have the emotional bandwidth to be asking God to give me any more difficult things. (laughs) I'm reading some of the notes that I'm like skimming back. (laughs) The deep waters, that's what was leading me to quit. It's hard. You know what I came to realize? I always thought I used to say yes to the Lord. I thought I was a man who said yes, yes, Lord. What I discovered was how many no's are inside of me. There's a lot of no's in me. The prophet Joel talks about the former and the latter rain. His reference was, was to the spring rains and the winter and the fall rains that occur in Israel. That's what he was referring to. But what he was prophesying about was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The spring rains, the former rains, that was fulfilled at the day of Pentecost when the Spirit fell. But that ended. And we had the dark ages. And God had to reform the church. The good news is that Azusa Street, summer ended, and the latter rain started falling again. We're living and have the privilege of living in the latter rains. Why did Jesus say to row out to the deep waters? 
Why didn't he just say let down the nets? Right here, guys. Because the miracles are in the deep water. The latter rain is falling out in the deep water. Where you have to learn to trust. So picture number one was Jesus calling us out into the deep waters. Where we have to just get uncomfortable. The second picture. He showed me a battle line between two kingdoms. And the way I drew it in my notes, because I often make notes of what I'm seeing, was just a circle, a little squiggly line, and a person standing on that squiggly line. What, what he, the way he showed it to me, he started talking about the sword of Am- Amalek, the Amalekites, the sword of Amalek. In, in Exodus, it's 1716, it says, The Lord will war against Am- Amalek in all generations. You can look up the story, but Amalek represents the kingdom of darkness. The rabbis have always taught that Amalek represents that which is against God. And there's a lot of interesting stories that flow out of Amalek. Uh, Balaam. Balaam was hired by the king Balak, who was the king of Moab. And he had, seen, he had seen Israel defeat two enemies in the wilderness. And he was the next guy. He was the first. He was the, ne- he was the next guy after they crossed the Jordan. And so he says, Balaam, I want you to come and prophesy against Israel. And Balaam ends up saying, actually, Israel is going to be greater than Agag. I'm like, well, who's Agag? Agag is a descendant of Amalek. And the Amalekites were the greatest nation in that area at that time. And, 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 and Balak says, you screwed up. That's not what I was looking to hear. <laughs> and then they ended up defeating the Moabites and many others. A couple centuries passed, and Samuel prophesies against Agag. Agag is now king of the Amalekites. And Saul goes out and defeats him. But this is that story where Samuel says, what is that that I hear? I hear the bleeding of sheep. Didn't, didn't I say to kill everything? This is where Saul disobeyed. This is where he lost his kingship. Samuel ended up executing Agag. And then later in Esther, you know the story of uh, Esther and Haman. Haman was an Agagite. And Haman decided he was going to destroy all the Israelites. And he represents this continuing battle between that which God is trying to establish and Satan. This spirit that is against Christ. Ultimately, Haman lost. Ultimately, the kingdom of darkness will fail, will lose. Along the way, there's this satanic battle that's being waged on that line between two kingdoms. And that battle line 
it, 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 it's not a cyber warfare battle line. It's not a trench warfare battle line of World War II. It's not two revolutionary armies lined up against each other shooting at each other. It's a battle line that's occurring in people's lives. It's a battle line of people. Addictions and salvation and deliverance, marriage and children and family, money and health, mental wellness. It's a battle that looks like that. It occurs in the lives of believers. Vern Neitzel gave an amazing testimony. Wow. Of the deliverance God gave him in his business. And more importantly, the depth of the experience that he had with God in that period when the miracle needed to happen. Vern Norton gave an amazing teaching about love, the love of God. A man who didn't know love, but knew that God was love and had to learn about it. And so he got a book, Love, The Way to Victory. Is that right? From Hagen. And wore out a copy, learning about love. And then got another copy. And wore that copy out too. But God is love. And it was a testimony of how God recreated a man in God's image. As that man yielded to God. And those are some really powerful examples of how God changes people's lives in the church. Right? And hopefully we're putting our energy into that, learning the ways of God, learning the ways of the kingdom, learning the ways of the cross, and maturing in those things inside of ourselves. And that's good, but it's not sufficient because the battle line is bigger than that. There's a lot of people outside the church that are standing at that battle line as well. There's an error, an error that can occur. And that error for me, is, is best understood as, as from this old marketing principle that, that people don't, they don't want, people hire a product to do a job. And we're Americans, and so we understand this really, really well, right? And what do I mean by that? You don't want a quarter-inch drill. You want a quarter-inch hole. Right? And so you hire a drill to give you a hole. And if somebody comes along with a better way of giving you the hole, you'll hire that to give you a hole. And we don't even understand how deeply inculcated that is into our understanding and our way of life. But we're constantly hiring things to do jobs. And the error that is possible is that our relationship shifts. And I don't even remember. I think it was your brother, Vern, talked about making God a teller. The error is this, that we hire God to do a job for us. That the relationship somehow gets distorted where he becomes this teller that we come up to, we put our order in, and we expect him to do it for us. And that's just fundamentally wrong. 
It's upside down and backwards. What actually happens is God adopts us into his family, and he gives us a job in the family business. And the family business is loving people. All those things that are his promises, I believe them. They're true. They're the children's bread. They're not the focus. The family business is the focus. That bus that takes us straight to the wilderness and drops us off, it's part of the plan. It's part of the program. First bus stop, wilderness. That's where you get to learn to trust God. That's where you get to learn that the principles are true. That's where you get to learn that the promises are true. That's where you develop trust. That's where you develop faith. But it's not for us to be consumed on us. It's for this shift that's occurring that Pastor John is talking about. It's to take it out into the world around us. I've always been very, 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 very stimulated by Acts. I read what they did, and I've long thought that that's how we were supposed to do the church. Signs and wonders following, confirming the word. We talked about Acts 4 this week. Peter and John had just come back from the Sanhedrin. They'd been imprisoned. And they came back, and they started telling what had happened, and then they started praying for boldness, and that the Lord would confirm his word with signs and wonders. It doesn't say so, but I'm pretty sure they weren't looking for it to happen in their meeting. It was supposed to be happening out in the world, at that battle line, where people who did not understand yet the promises, the plan of God, that were standing on that battle line, that they would carry that former reign to those people's lives and demonstrate the truth of the gospel and set people free to grow the colony that Jesus had started. And I think that's what we're being called to to do right now, the shift that's occurring. We're moving towards carrying that latter rain to that front line, people's lives. The third picture, a cross, the good news. We have it. We can understand his heart. We can have his heart. We can begin looking like him. God sometimes talks to me, gives me examples from science, because that's the way I think. And, and, And lately, through rocks. And I have this beautiful piece of lime green prenite that is, it grows his fingers. It's like a, it almost looks like a lime green shag carpet with stiff fibers. I mean, it's just gorgeous piece of prenite. And the way, it, that's not its normal form. That's not, its, that's not the way nature would have it be. What happened was a layer of feldspar had crystallized these cubic, square cross-sectional crystals had grown off of a surface. 
And then when the, the solutions with the prenite precursors came through and started crystallizing and laying down, they coated out those fingers of the lamantite, the feldspar. And then the feldspar disappeared. And what was left was prenite, lime green, with a bubbly surface that's its nature, but has taken on the form of the previous crystals. And that picture to me is God made each one of us a piece of him. And what I'm saying is having a piece of his character, of his nature, of his, of his personality, right? No one of us represents the fullness of all of God's personality. But each one of us has bits and pieces of it. Um, and we come together as a body. But individually, he transforms us and we start to take on his form if we let him. The way that green prenite crystallized and coated out those earlier crystals. We are still us with our way of doing things. And, and understand what I'm saying. Style. Our style of doing things. But we've taken on the appearance of the one who made us. That's what the cross meant to me, is that we, we, we start saying yes to him when he starts saying, take on my form. Last year I was reading lots of books. And I don't understand it. My wife gave me a book on pride. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> And I read it, because I'm that kind of guy. It was about two or three pages per chapter. Andrew Murray wrote the book. A great man of God from the 1800s in South Africa. Oh, if you can get his materials, read them. This dude spent some time with the Lord. And I'd finished reading two or three pages, and I'm, I'm fully acknowledging the truth of what he said fully acknowledging the truth. And everything inside of me is screaming no. Absolutely not. It's unjust. It's unfair. Do you realize, God, where I'm coming from? Often when I read something that really moves me, I can pray that person's words. I had nothing. Nothing. All I could say was, with great difficulty, yes. Yes. And that would be it for that day, because I, there was nothing else inside me that I could pray. Just yes. That's what I'm talking about. Pastor John said a lot of what I've said in the, in the, in the pre, prequel. Uh, one of my thoughts is we organize our lives to maximize our comfort. We're really good at maximizing our comfort. 
It follows then that when we engage God, we engage him to maximize our comfort. This is where some of the problems start coming in. God is calling us to shift our thinking. Like the, like the apostles, the plot is very different than what we thought. We have to shift from hiring God to do a job for us to taking on the, fam- the job in the family business as an ambassador. We need to shift from him being this amazing spiritual vending machine that maximizes our comfort to letting him lead us into deep waters where we're very, very uncomfortable. We need to shift from wanting to, and him wanting to enhance, we need to shift from having an attitude that says, enhance me, to I die, and he lives. Jesus is king, the Holy Spirit's governor, we're ambassadors of the king. He's calling us into the deep. He's, he wants us to give up control to experience more of the latter reign. He's preparing us for more. He wants us abiding in him to an extent we never thought possible. I was talking with Pastor John about this earlier. I said, we don't abide in him. I'm black and white, okay? If we're not where we're supposed to be, we're not there, okay? He said, yes, we do. I, I said, my thought was, no, I don't. I don't. I don't abide in him, except when he drops me off in the wilderness. And I'm very motivated to start figuring out how to get out of the wilderness. The rest of the time, I don't know that I abide in him, where I'm taking on his form. And I know that's too strong of a statement. It's black and white, blah, blah, blah. But there's opportunity for all of us to yield. There's opportunity for all of us to yield. Our goal, carrying the fullness of our king's kingdom right to the battle line, with boldness, believing that the Lord will confirm his words with signs and wonders, so that those people that don't yet understand the liberty that is in our king, the glory of our king, For those of you who saw the video that Vern played, all of that, ditto. They don't yet understand that, that they'd begin to understand it, that they'd begin to see it. Recall the man with the epileptic son that came to Jesus. Jesus said, if you believe. And the man said, I believe. Help my unbelief. My prayer for 2017 for me has been and will be, Jesus, yes, help my nose. Let's all stand. I encourage you, this Wednesday, 7 o'clock, or 6.30, Wednesday at 6.30 is the uh, healing school. If, if when you heard that announcement, you thought, "Ah, I don't think so. I've never been to one before. I don't even know what it's like. Or you're thinking, I I don't really want to. 
I don't, I don't, it's cold. I, I don't want to, it's night. I don't want to, it's... I love my kids. I love them. I really love my kids. And my expectation for them is to grow. I want them to grow up. And they're, and they're growing up. And they're, they're, they're blessing me day in and day out. But in the same way, I love you guys. We need to grow up. We do. I do. We all need to grow up. And the things I didn't want to do in the past have to be in the past. Where we're going, we have to be grown up. I encourage you that your nose be yes this year. I encourage you to come out Wednesday night because we all need to grow in these things. Because it's, it's for us, yes, but it's more important for them. Because healing is, is a sign and a wonder to confirm the preaching of the word and people need Jesus. This is one step to grow in. I encourage you. The Bible says to the Bible says to compel them to come in. I compel you to come. Father, yes. Amen. Have a wonderful week.